What's going on, everybody? Jay Sannon here, welcoming you to another exciting edition of the GBI Show. That's right, it's Gridiron Betting Insights here on AT this week. Once again, special guest Sharky Waters Nation. We are going to get to the Week 5 NFL slate on a show where we believe the tape doesn't lie both on the field and at Urban Meyer's restaurant. Shark, how are you doing today? Doing great. Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer reference at 2.30 p.m. on a suddenly not so casual Thirsty Thursday. I think there's a corollary there. Hilarity ensues. We will cap that game. I think there's actually an angle for that game, but hyped to do it. I was just sending you off the record. Of course, we're on the record now. I'm a little more live in the afternoon. I'd love to record around noon, get the juices flowing, let the day flow into itself. Great to be, be here with you, Jay. And uh, you tell me where we're going to begin. Let's ride the wave or not get out of the water. Yeah, it's going to be a great one, of course. We are recording here on a Thursday afternoon. We appreciate everybody tuning in live, whether it's on uh, the ATS.io Twitter channel, YouTube, or if you're listening uh, on demand whenever you want through those platforms or the podcast. Subscribe to the ATS.io podcast feed. Give it a five-star review. Tell me you think my voice is sensual. I would greatly appreciate it. But Mr. Waters Nation, it is time to get down to business. And let's get started with Thursday Night Football. Rams, Seahawks tonight. The Rams, a two-point favorite. Total 53.5 for this one. And this is a game where both teams come in knowing that there are high stakes in the NFC West. You can't afford to lose many games, given how competitive the division is. I want to get your thoughts here to start us off. Well, I posted it two days ago. I'm on official record out of my wallet in the sportsbook and, of course, in the gambling Twitter sphere, the vast place it is. Rams minus two and a half. And something that I've been really looking at for a period of years here is divisional line modeling. Of course, there are eight divisional games for every one outside of the division game. A lot more information. It helps us out a lot. Rams, Seahawks in the division. So I go back to last year. In Seattle in the regular season, Seattle did win the game. They were laying two and a half points. Then in the playoffs, where the Rams did go in there and win the game with authority, I might add, it actually came up to Seattle minus three. So now this is where I get this model. You ask yourself a question. You get a revenge game for Seattle, and the line from Vegas professional odds makers does not hold weight towards them from the previous environment. It actually moves towards the road team as an average to continue that movement off of the wild card game. This did open at one. It got steamed up. And I always talk about this. And I do want to clarify because I always talk about the line average movement. A lot of people confuse this with market movement versus the betting market. I don't cap that because truly I think if you're capping other betters action, that's more of a snapshot to the public evaluation of the game. I'm trying to look straight into the game and figure it out for myself. So I look at how Vegas scales the average. I look at the opening number from the previous game to this game crossed with the result and the home versus away adjusted for three points. So that all being said, I have Rams minus two and a half. And I do think it connects very well with how the Seahawks have played at home over a period of years. They're better on the road. They're a little scrappier. Russell just gets his mojo going on the road. And the Rams do come in here off really what was just a complete bottom out spot off a really, really big high beating Tom Brady at home and then just completely laying down to Kyler Murray. So I think you get a bounce back for the Rams. I think the Seahawks come in here off a big road win, which was honestly a bit of a a statistical anomaly. If you look at the yards gained in that game, some advantageous points, we don't want to be too uh, retroactive with that. But all boxes checked. I really do like the Rams here at minus two and a half tonight, Jay. 
Yeah, I lead toward the Rams at uh, minus two now. I found it earlier this afternoon to see if there's better numbers available close to the game time. But I would Rams as well. I think that you look look at this Seahawks team right now, had some real issues with the running game that's going to keep him out for an extended period of time. We're coming out about that today. We'll see what happens. And I think that these teams, I mean, you, we talk about the lines from the previous game there in the postseason, and I think it's interesting you mentioned that because that was when you had Jared Goff, you had John Wolford in the equation, a quarterback the last game. Much different Rams offensive attack with Matt Stafford. Better able to attack a defense vertically, as I've been stressing throughout this season. I think that hurts Seattle here because we saw the Seattle team struggle mightily on defense at home in their first home game of the year against the Tennessee Titans. I think we see something similar to that in this game. My only concern here is you're dealing with a second straight division game for the Rams, road game off a short week. A little concerned by that, but I think if you look on the field, I would have to agree with you on what the Rams bring to the table here. Yeah, and and just one point, one further point. People do always say that to me while the rosters change. Trust me, I've been looking at this for 10 years. When the rosters change, but it doesn't matter, they won't move the line. So, again, if it does matter, they will tell you the story. And, you know, one of the biggest capping gaps, I think, oftentimes in this in this sphere, in this market, is people that think, okay, I'm going to look at all these peripheral elements of the game and then come back to the line and tell you why the line's wrong. I basically gave up doing that 10 years ago and said, professional odds makers know more than I do. They know all the insider knowledge. You know, there's no local guy in the bar that comes up to you and says, I know more. I have this insider point. Trust me, they know if you know, and they know about a hundred other things you don't know. So look at the line first, trust the line. Again, the average, not the betting market movement. It will serve you well long-term. Last thing I'll say on that, but let's move on. All right, we're going to move to London now, Shark. And we'll, we won't spend much time on this, but we got the Jets and the Falcons in the 9.30 a.m. London game. My favorite. I love these. You crack a beer. You have a beer for breakfast. You watch football with your beer for breakfast. That might be a signal that I have a larger problem that needs addressing. But we'll deal with that on another episode of the show. The Jets a three-point dog in this game in London. Total 46. Just give me your quick thoughts on this one before we move to more substantial games on the schedule. Just real tough. I mean, as a real outset point, obviously the game being at 9.30 a.m. Eastern in London and Tottenham Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, is a totally new environment. We talk about environmental shifts. This is the ultimate environmental shift. Uh, And you do come in here getting both teams. I wouldn't say hot, but if these teams are going to be hot in this season, it's probably here. The Jets are off an outright win their first one in the Zach Wilson era, and you get the Falcons here coming in here two weeks ago off a win in MetLife against the Giants. And last week, you can't say it was a win. It was an outright loss, and it was an ATS loss, which I do thank the Washington football team for backdooring that for me. But let's not kid ourselves. The Falcons were very competitive. The Falcons have been competitive against this number last couple weeks. Uh, They did get backdoored pretty egregiously on two deflected picks against the Bucs. Uh, if I had to lean here, I would lean Falcons. But again, I just can't get behind this travel spot to London. Yeah, to me, it's a game that, I mean, you really don't have a lot of frame of reference with, right? I mean, you know, Zach Wilson, of course, it'll be his first start in London in his entire football life. It's not as if Matt Ryan and the Falcons have a ton of experience going abroad. I mean, no team really can prepare 
for this without having done it a lot before. Neither of these teams really fall into that category. Uh, you know, quick note for me, the Jets a yard per play better defensively this season than the Falcons. I think that might benefit the Jets here, but I'm not about to lay my any, any money on either side given how weird uh, this contest is going to be, man. Let's move to a game that's not based in London now. Let's move to a game where our feet are going to be under us a little bit more, hopefully. The Eagles and the Panthers. Eagles a three-point dog. Total 45 and a half. Both of these teams struggled defensively last week. I want your thoughts here. Yeah, I just think uh, the first thing I looked at, again, the line. This is a short figure when you look at a 3-1 home team and a 3-1 ATS team laying points to a 1-3 and straight-up team. And you go back to week one, the best effort the Eagles did give on this season so far was an outright win as a similar dog on the road at the Falcons. Uh, so you ask yourself, are they going to replicate that? Does this opponent type really cross-reference in that manner? I don't think it does. I think Carolina is significantly better and you're getting them off a loss. However, again, the line is significantly short, and going back to the previous point, the Vegas odds makers are generally not giving you free space on a line. Uh, if they were supposed to win this game by six to seven points, the line should be five and a half, six. They don't usually miss that badly. And again, this could be a blowout winner, but just not what I cap. And again, being long-term strategy-driven, you know, I'm not just taking flyers that really don't fit my model. Uh, I have talked to a lot of Sharps. Sharps love the Eagles here this week. Uh, I think you're finding a buy spot, and I think people are, are thinking that the – start for Carolina was a little bit outlierish in a three-game sample, and they should come down a little bit. Obviously, Sam Darnold uh, leading the league, I believe, in rushing touchdowns. Bit of an outlier there. A couple other outlierish things. Uh, no, nothing official for me here, but I do think Sharps are on the Eagles, and I think it's going to be a little bit public on Carolina, and I could see it going either way here. Yeah, it's a stay away from me. I tend to be a little bit biased against the Eagles, given that I think they should all reside in Guantanamo Bay after what they did week 17 last week to uh, screw the Giants out of the playoffs. But beyond that, it's a no play for me because there's some uncertainty on each side here. You're dealing with Quez Watkins, Lane Johnson on the injury report for the Eagles. Run CMC is going to be a game-time decision. Shaq Harris out for the Panthers. The Panthers, of course, have been much better than the Eagles this year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A top-five defense in terms of yards per play allowed, under five yards of play conceded so far this season. But the Eagles, I think, you know, they might have a shot here if they can keep the running game going. Number one in the league, averaging almost five and a half yards per carry this season. And that's the that's the blueprint for an underdog, right? You keep the clock running. You keep the ball moving with the run. Can they do it enough? I don't know. I'm not super confident, especially with some offensive line concerns in the injury report. But I think there's certainly a pathway to be had there for me. I am happy to stay away and watch two teams I really have had trouble wrapping my head around so far this season. Now, Shark, let's go out to Cincinnati. Let's talk Packers-Bangles here. Super interesting matchup, right? Aaron mm -hmm. Rodgers, the veteran, one of the greatest of all time. Joe Burrow, I guess I was wrong about him on the bus front. I will admit it. He's been playing very nicely. We'll talk about that in just a second. But the Packers, a three-point favorite here, total 51. What say you? I like the Bengals here, and I like it for numerous reasons. Number one, the Packers are 3-0 ATS in their last three. They're coming off of two fairly substantial highs. Even though Pittsburgh is presumably a little down this year, I still think when you're looking at Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers, Steelers Nation, their fan base traveling well in Lambeau even last week, I think it's a big win. And I think you go back two weeks ago, obviously a very big win at San Francisco. 
a backdoor 37-second wizard moment for Aaron Rodgers like only he can do. But they are 3-0 ATS last three, and the Bengals come in here off the trap spot. They played a very lackluster game against the Jaguars at home on Thursday night football. They get an elongated mini-bye week. And you look back at what they did outside of the division in week one against Minnesota. Minnesota was a minus three favorite here. Obviously, NFC North traveling outside of the division to Cincinnati. I like the way this line is scaled. I have Green Bay as a much stronger weighted unit than Minnesota. When Minnesota lays three points and loses outright by three, and then Green Bay, again, presumably a stronger team, comes in and lays the same figure, should be four and a half, five. It's short. I think Cincinnati tanked the Jags game, a look-ahead spot. I think Green Bay is too hot. I think Cincinnati wins the game outright. Yeah, I would lean toward the Bengals here as well. I, I think you look at the statistics in this game. I mean, the Bengals with over a full yard, net yard per play advantage. You look at their offense and their defense, compare that to that of the Packers. They've been superior so far this year. And I think you contextualize those numbers a little bit, and it only works in the favor of Cincinnati. You look at the three-game winning streak here for Packers as of late. Uh, they beat the Lions, who, but then they beat the San Francisco 49ers, who we've seen. They've been struggling a bit lately. The defense certainly hasn't been what we've expected it to be. And then they beat a Steelers team where, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is washed. I mean, they, I don't think there's any debating it at this point. Those wins look yeah. really nice, right? You look at the marquee franchises that they beat in these last couple of weeks. They are not as good as the names might connote. I think that works in the favor of the Cincinnati Bengals as well. By the way, Joe Burrow averaging 9.2 yards per pass attempt this season, one of five quarterbacks in the entire league averaging more than nine yards per attempt. I think that I'm with you. I think it's a sharp look here for the Bengals. I'd certainly lean that way. Now, what do you say, Shark? Let's let's go over to uh, the New England and Houston Texans game real quick. It's, again, not one of these glamorous games, but it is a game on schedule, so we're going to talk about it for a little bit here. Patriots, eight-and-a-half-point favorites, low total, under 40, 39-and-a-half. The Davis Mills experience is back in effect, and I want to know if you think he has a shot. No, I do not think he has a shot. And I also look at the schedule, called schedule scaling for a reason. Environments do exist, and they come off of previous environments. I, and I bring you back to what they did in week two, the Patriots at the Jets, 25-6 uh, to six on a minus five and a half. They get to see a very similar type of game, and I think that the line is telling you the story. I mean, this Patriots team with Mac Brown laying eight and a half points on the road. I mean, you talk about a strong average. They're telling you a story here that this Houston team with Davis Mills is absolutely terrible. And you look at what he's done the last two weeks. Of course, I had him incorrectly in a backdoor loss on Thursday Night Football to Carolina, 24-9 in week three. But last week, even worse in Buffalo, 40 to nothing. And, I mean, the stat sheet was an absolute bloodbath. It was disgusting. I would lean the Patriots here at minus eight and a half. Yeah, the crazy thing about that Bills game is it started off pretty nicely for the Houston Texans. They got a turnover. They had it deep in Bills territory. Then they couldn't score, and it just completely went off the rails. I mean, Davis Mills does not belong in an NFL huddle on the field during live game action. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I'm a little concerned here of the emotional letdown aspect for the Patriots, right? They do all this Tom Brady tribute situation. They lose on a last-second field goal. I, I worry about the potential for a letdown there. But then I look at Davis Mills and I lean back toward the Patriots. I do not think that they have the firepower. I mean, if you if you told me that the Texans needed 10 points to cover the spread in this game, I wouldn't trust 
that they could get it. They've scored nine points combined in the yeah. last two weeks. That is uh, certainly not good enough. Now let's go to a game that features another lowly AFC South team, but it could be a lot more interesting. I'm talking about the Titans and the Jaguars. Titans a four-point favorite here, total 48.5. Trevor Lawrence looked better last week. The Titans trying to figure things out in their own right. Uh, this one might be a little bit more interesting than people think. Yeah, yeah. I am uh, working on my final board, obviously, for the Dad Bods GPL Lock Capital Collective Competition uh, and haven't placed any official wagers for Sunday yet, but I am significantly leaning the home team here, Jacksonville Jaguars plus four and a half. Um, and I go back to the schedule scaling model. Uh, just what we said about the Rams game last year. Uh, the Titans did clean up the Jags in Jacksonville last year on a minus six. So when you're laying minus six in the division, you win by 20 and then you lay four at open, they're telling you it's coming the other direction in terms of the averaging. Look at the opponent. I think one of the massive narrative points that Joe Public is going to attach to this week is that Urban Meyer has lost the team because he was in a bar in Ohio hanging out with some beautiful lady. I'll tell you one thing. When men hang out with beautiful ladies, they haven't lost anything. They're dogs. Uh, outside of the moral quality of this man, I don't think he's lost the group at all. But I think it goes the other way. To be perfectly honest, I think if – if the team is pissed off at him, they might actually rally in the center a little bit more. And then you actually go to the schedule and you look at what they did in weeks um, two and three at home. Oh, and two ATS at home, but both outside of the division against Denver and Arizona, but both were right there. And they just made a couple mistakes. Trevor Lawrence, some, you know, very uh, lacking throws, some picks that really threw the game and some back doors. And again, we always talk about the construction of a loss. When you go 0-2 ATS, again, both outside of the division, this is in the division, it's a rivalry game, 8-1. to But the way those happened, you ask yourself, shouldn't Jacksonville get better against the spread at home? And I would say yes. I think they're close to a cover. I think they're actually close to an outright win. And the final point is if you go to Tennessee's schedule, we talked about this before, but Tennessee and Kansas City are the two AFC teams that really have shown a lack of life early season here, considering they're probably going to be playing deep into January, definitely early season coast. Off of a loss at the Jets, they play at Jacksonville, and then they start to play the contenders. If you look at their schedule in upcoming weeks, they play the Bills. I believe they play the Chiefs. They play the Colts again. This is really, if you go through their 17-game schedule, this is the absolute bottom-out point for their motivation. Jets and Jags back-to-back on the road. Then the schedule turns up, and I think you're going to see a better effort from Tennessee going forward. But I think Tennessee will not cover this game. I think they win this game at most by a field goal. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the Titans' schedule. They do have the Bills next week on Monday night at home, a rematch of one of the games last year that was played on, I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, one of those games that was delayed due to, due to one of those COVID situations. Super weird. Um, you know, I, it's a game I want nothing to do with. You know, the Jaguars reportedly have chemistry issues. Of course, Urban Meyer wasn't lacking chemistry with that lady he was getting awfully handsy with. That's his business. But I, I don't like the idea of backing the Jaguars here. I also don't like backing – I don't like the Titans either. I don't like either of these teams. I think there's a ton of flaws on the field. Forget the off-field stuff. I still don't trust Trevor Lawrence, but I don't trust the Titans' defense to stop me either. It's a game that I want absolutely nothing to do with. I am very excited, though, for that Bills-Titans matchup that you mentioned as a part of uh, next week's schedule. Now let's talk about two teams, Shark, that – Looked pretty fraudulent last week, which is, of course, my favorite F word, fraud. We're talking about the Broncos and the Steelers. 
Broncos, one-point dog going to Pittsburgh. Of course, the West Coast, East Coast travel in effect here. Another sub-40 total, 39 and a half. Both of these teams look terrible offensively last year. Tell me what you think. This is real tough for me. I mean, again, the line's telling you a story. Minus one to a pick. They're telling you this game is going to be right there on the money line the whole game. And look at the Steelers at home. Obviously, two losses coming in here. It's one in division at Cincinnati, a blowout loss. And just a poor effort in week two as well against Las Vegas. I don't really see Pittsburgh coming up in their efficiency at all. I think they have kind of capped themselves. I think generationally speaking, as we've talked about before, I think Big Ben is really hitting the wall here. Uh, historically, even within the last four or five seasons, this is raised, or excuse me, this is extremely short for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh historically is laying at least a touchdown to Denver at home. Uh, I can't really get behind either side here. I don't really love fading a line with a one and three team, zero and two at home, laying one to a three and one, two and zero away team. This is the classic environment where I could really make a good uh, narrative point for either side. It's a no play. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if there was any direction to go here, it would be under that super low total. We don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is going to go due to the concussion. It could be Drew Locke taking on a Steelers team that can get after the quarterback, to their credit. And then you have washed up Big Ben on the other side. I think if there was any way to go here, you would be looking at the under. Uh, You got Ben, you got Claypool, you got Smith-Schuster, all questionable for this game as well. And I was really disappointed in the Broncos last week. I thought they'd at least go out there and put up a fight. They did no such thing on the offensive end. Uh, That certainly does not inspire confidence. By the way, Big Ben averaging just over six yards per attempt passing. Only Davis Mills, Jacoby Brissett, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was knocked out in the first half of the Washington football team's first game of the season, uh, have a worse number among quarterbacks in that regard. So I would lean toward the under there. And speaking of the Washington football team, Shark, they are in action at home this week, taking on the New Orleans Saints. Saints, two-and-a-half-point favorites, somewhere in that neighborhood, total 44. We've seen the Saints kind of hit or miss on the road so far this season. Which direction do you think they go here? Yeah, and, and the road environments here are all over the place for the Saints. This is a total no play for me as well. Of course, we're going through the games, but there's a lot of spots that are just really hard to cap. Uh, Washington is Oh, for the season against the spread at home as well. Did not cover against the Giants or the Chargers. So you ask yourself, they should improve ATS at home. Last week, they probably shouldn't have even covered that game. They got really fortunate to get a 30-yard touchdown in the final 45 seconds of the game. Um, And then you look at what happened last week with the Saints, an outright loss as a significant favorite at home against the Giants. They should bounce back. Washington should get better at home against the spread. Again, a lot of points for either side here coming up in efficiency within this particular game environment. It's just a no play. Yeah, I, I lean ever so slightly to the Saints here. I think that when you have a team that was embarrassed against a really bad Giants squad last week, they're going into their bye week. I think it's like, okay, normally a team might let down heading into the bye, but after you're embarrassed, it's like, no, we got to finish our first half of the season, so to speak, even though we're barely a third of the way through this thing. They get the early bye week. You think they might come out and actually bring it this week. Also, just not impressed with the Washington defense enough to back them at home here. I mean, they made the Giants look really good during that game. They made the Falcons with Matt Ryan look really good. Gave up three touchdowns to Cordaro Patterson, 
of all people. I almost forgot he was still in the league. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of faith in Washington here. It's a no play for me only because I've seen Jameis on the road so far this season, and it's been a lot of sub-200 yard performances, win or lose. Uh, that's going to be a no for me across the board. I agree with you on that one. Now let's go back to the NFC North, and we'll talk about the Lions and the Vikings. This number going up and up and up, almost at double digits now. Lions nine and a half point dogs, total 49 and a half. And injuries, a big story for the Lions. The Vikings, their offensive ineptitude last week was a big story as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think the line is scaling up for a reason. I think this is very similar to what we saw uh, in the Monday night game in week two for Green Bay. I think you're going to see a double-digit victory here for Minnesota. Again, this is not an official play for me. We're just dropping leans on some of these spots, but there's no way in hell I'm getting behind the 0-4, 0-2 away the Lions. Uh, they did have one situational cover last week. Of course, they got handled by the Bears. Um, the Bears just showcased who they are. They're just a very below-average team, uh, potentially bottom three in the league. I think they're going to be a top-three pick coming into the draft next year. And again, you look at historical averages, this is a massive number. Vegas is not giving you space and value on the underdog here. They're telling you a story, that the gap is real, and that if you want to make cash in this game, you got to lay the figure, you got to trust it, and you got to have the balls to trust your own strategy. And that's all I'll say on that. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting game when you look at the performance of the Minnesota defense against the performance of the Detroit Lions offense after that first game of the season for the lions where they had that miracle backdoor cover scored a couple times in what was really garbage time but it did get close against the 49ers uh, they haven't broken 20 points since then and if they didn't go on that rampage in the final minutes they wouldn't have broken 20 against the niners either they take on a minnesota defense that has allowed just 31 points in their two home games so far this year uh, that defense much maligned through the first two weeks but they were on the road. It wasn't quite the same environment. Now they go back home at three straight home games, by the way. How nice is that for them? Mm -hmm. And I just think it's going to be a disaster for the Lions. I would lean toward the Vikings here, who, by the way, the Lions going to be without their uh, Pro Bowl center as well for this game. So things just going from bad to worse for them. But I also don't love the idea of laying almost 10 points now with Kirk Cousins. I think if it's one you didn't get early, you probably just sit it out. Now, what do you say we go to Florida here, Shark? I know it's a place that is uh, near and dear to your heart. We'll talk about the all-Florida showdown between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are hosting the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, 10-point dogs in this game, total 48. It did not look good. It has not looked good with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. They take on the defending champs, who, of course, played that emotional game in New England on Sunday night. Yeah, it's another one that I'm not really centered on for any sort of uh... – Actual wager. Obviously, laying 10 points with Tom Brady early season is questionable. You saw what they did against the Falcons in the division. They covered it, but they got two deflections for uh, for, for touchdowns. I mean, talking about outliers, you get two of them in one quarter. Really ridiculous stuff. And you just look at their motivation to win games by 10 points. Obviously, they won. They didn't play a particularly inspired game. They were very lackluster, actually, at New England. But it's not like an auto bounce back. You don't usually get their best product until later in the season. Um, if I had to lean here, I would lean the Dolphins to play up to the champs as opposed to the champs blowing out teams early season just for no real reason. Uh, but absolutely nothing official for me here. Yeah, I think if I was to go any direction here, I would look toward the over 48. I think you have kind of an undervalued number there, if, if not by just a little bit. You have a Tampa team that we know they can light up the scoreboard. They didn't look good last week in New England, but you have to factor in. 
Weather was a problem. Emotions for Tom Brady were a problem. He was sailing balls due to the combination of rain and emotions. You also had an opponent that was able to game plan for him specifically better than any other opponent will ever be able to, given the relationship between everybody in that building and Tom Brady. They'll be better offensively this week. I also just think the Tampa defense, not as good as we saw against Mac Jones last week. They'll get back into some warmer weather. The offenses will pick up a little bit. Kobe Brissett, if he can get me, you know, 20 points in this game, just somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 points, I think they're going to be fine. I would lean toward the over, but I'm with you in that there is nothing official on this game as of yet. Now I want to talk about one of one of, not quite the, but one of the most exciting games on the Week 5 schedule, that being the Browns and Chargers, Shark. Browns, two-point dogs on the road, playing their second straight roadie, total 47. Going to be a real interesting one, in my opinion. What do you think? I think it's a tough game to cap, and I talk about this all the time. Best games to watch are usually the toughest to cap. As a fan, you want the game to be back and forth. You want it to be all over the place, high scoring. As a capper, you want a 15 to nothing blowout. This is not a 50 to nothing blowout. This is waiting to be a really tight game. Uh, I would lean the Browns if I had to go one direction here. I look at what the Chargers did against the Cowboys on a similar figure going back to uh, week two outside of division, did not cover loss by 320 to 17. I also look at what the Cowboys did there. They established the run, they psyched the life out of the game, it went way under. You've seen Cleveland do that. Obviously, last week, super low scoring. But Cleveland is playing a different brand of ball. They're really embracing Baker as a glorified game manager and the run game. And I think when you look at what's going on here from a line standpoint, it's not the same thing as within division. But the last time that Baker played um, the Chargers, it was actually his rookie year, I believe. Phillip Rivers was still the quarterback of the Chargers. The Chargers went into Cleveland and blew them out 38-14. to Complete utter blowout. But Chargers did lay one point there. So, again, when we go from a road environment at minus one, adjusted for home field advantage, historically this should come up to four, four and a half. It's actually sticking right around one and a half. It has bumped up to two, I believe. It's a little short given what I look at. And I do think all the aforementioned points would lean towards Cleveland. But, again, this is going to be a really tough one. It wouldn't surprise me if Justin Herbert and the boys showed up here. Yeah, to me, I have nothing really strong as far as an opinion on this game, but I would lean slightly toward the Cleveland Browns, actually. I would lean the opposite way of you. And I think the big reason for that, in my opinion, is going to be running game, as you mentioned, of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they really, as like you said, they have truly embraced the philosophy of we're going to run the ball and we're going to throw to convert on third down. And it's been super effective. I think it's going to be even more effective against the Chargers this week. The Chargers' third-worst run defense in the yard per attempt in the league, giving up over five yards per rush. Only the Cardinals and the Chiefs worse in that regard. I think that's going to hurt them. If nothing else, it's going to keep the game super close. The time of possession should favor the Browns, and I think it's going to be a game where I think it's a field goal game either way. Not enough for me to really want to get involved. But like you said, even if it's tough to cap, it's going to be one of those games that's definitely going to be fun to watch. Now, we're yeah, going to stay and, in the – yeah, and, go for uh, it. No, and Jay, I, I actually did say I would sanction Cleveland there, so I do agree with you. Well, my apologies. My goodness. Listen, look at me. Making mistakes here. I'm like uh, I'm like the Daniel So much Jones forgiveness. Just... So much forgiveness. I love you anyway. It's all uh, good. But I, <laughs> I, would agree with you. I, I would agree with you 100%. Cleveland would be the lead for me as well. 
Yeah, I love that running game, man. And I love how they play ugly. They remind me of the uh, late 2000s New York Giants, who, of course, will always have a soft spot in my heart. Now, let's stay in the AFC West, man. Let's stay in the AFC West. We'll go with the Chicago Bears and the Las Vegas Raiders. Bears, five and a half point underdogs. Justin Fields is QB1. Matt Nagy made it official. Who knows if Matt Nagy is going to be there much longer, of course. Total 44 and a half. Do you think the Raiders push Matt Nagy a step closer to the grave, or do you think Justin Fields makes him look like a genius? This is a tough one, and an, another one I'm definitely not playing in any sort of official way. I would lean the Raiders here. I think we've seen a trend with the Bears so far. Good at home against the spread. Very similar games twice. Bengals home cover, outright win, low scoring, really held the opponent down defensively. Of course, last week, 24-14 in the division against the Lions. Same type of game. On the road, though, it's been a different story. Obviously, Justin Fields now, as you said, QB1 officially on the record. And you get Vegas here off their first loss of the season. Really, a game they got handled. They tried to move in the third quarter there. It just never really got over the hump. I think it's a bounce back for Vegas. And I just think it's hard to back the Bears on the road. That being said, minus 5.5 here for me feels like a real hover zone line. And I just think you could be sweating this regardless of how bad Justin Fields might be. I think coming into the season, or excuse me, coming into this window, similar to what we talked about with Carolina, um, when a team like Vegas, who's not really supposed to be an ATS juggernaut, starts out so hot ATS, you ask yourself, off a non-cover, should they just bounce right back to another cover? Like, are they going to go right back to 80%? Or should they crater back down to that 50% expectancy? I think they're supposed to come back down. But, again, it's hard to backfields on the road. Total no play, but, again, you see what I'm saying. There's just a lot going on either side. I lean uh, Las Vegas here. I almost called them. I'm nailing it this show. As you can see, i got oh, the yeah. sun in my face. If you're watching the video, I am just crushing it here today. But I would lean toward the Raiders in this game. And, A, I think Justin Fields, we saw him on the road against Cleveland. It was disgustingly bad. You add to that now Montgomery going to be out with a knee sprain. He had over 100 yards. He had a couple of touchdowns last week for the Bears. He really kept that offense moving. Without him, big problem. You also look at the performance a little closer by the Bears last week. You had that huge mistake in the red zone. Goff getting the snap thrown off his private parts there. The Bears coming up with it off of a deflection in the air. Just a miracle play for the Bears. The Lions almost came back and backdoored them as well. I mean, they really, over the last few minutes, uh, they're they're just like the Stafford Lions in garbage time. They're great. They almost came back and made that a one-score game. So I think you have to take the Raiders if you're betting this game. But I'm with you. It's a little bit high at this point. I don't love the idea of laying them with the Raiders either, but I would lean that direction. Now we're going to go, Shark, to the NFC East, and we're going to, once again, uh, recount all of my pain here. The New York Giants, see, they did they do this to me every year. They lose the first few games, and I'm like, okay, let's just tank and salvage the season through the draft. And then they win, like, the fourth or fifth game, and they ruin that, too. That's just what they do. They did it this year. They beat the Saints in overtime as a seven-point underdog, winning outright. They take on the Cowboys, who have been red hot at home. I believe it's their third straight road game as well, right? The Eagles, the Panthers, and now this week against the Giants. A lot of narrative stuff in this game, as expected, when you have a division contest. I want to know where your head's at. Yeah, I like the Giants here. And I do think when you look at both teams, as you said, situationally hot, Dallas is just purely smoking hot ATS. doesn't matter what the environment is. The Giants are consistently very hot on the road, ATS. 
And I think if I'm fading one of those, I'm fading Dallas at 4-0 ATS on the season. And I'm also fading them in this environment. It's their third straight home game off two covers. 41-21 Eagles, Monday Night Football, 36-28 Panthers. Two impressive offensive performances. And I look at what the Giants did last week. Giants do what they do on the road. They did it against Washington in primetime in week two. They did it outside the division against the Saints. They travel even better in the division. Every game last year was within three points on the road. I don't see it being any different here. And I do look at what's going on again with the Cowboys. Third straight home game, 4-0 ATS. And they go to New England next week before a bye. New England, of course, is not Tom Brady, New England. But I do think there's a bit of a trap environment here. I would lead the Giants at plus seven. Yeah, I would lean very slightly toward the Giants, but the thing that is keeping me off of this game, I think the most, has nothing to do with the usual numbers that I just blast out of my face like a fire hose in most games. It is the fact that the Giants, I believe it was around week five last season, it might have been they ended Dak Prescott's season last year. They were the ones that broke the leg, and then it was Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci, and it was a disaster. And that's what kept the games between the Cowboys and Giants close last season was the fact that Dak Prescott didn't finish one and he didn't play in the other. I'm worried that this is going to be the game where the Cowboys just absolutely let it loose on an opponent, even against Philly. Everything from the past would suggest the Giants, but everything the Cowboys have worked for in terms of getting Dak back and all their performance so far this season would suggest the Cowboys. So I'm going to stay away. I'm going to cover my eyes. And I'm just going to hope the Giants can somehow luck their way into a second straight victory in this contest. Now let's go back out West Shark and we're getting to the good stuff now. We got three games left and they're all actually pretty good, which is nice. We're going to talk Niners Cardinals first. Niners a five point underdog on the road. Total 49 and a half. The Arizona Cardinals have been incredible so far this season. The Kyler Murray MVP campaign is up and running. Do you think they make it 5-0? Uh, they might make it 5-0, but I don't think they can cover the spread. I, I will be taking the Niners here. Um, and obviously this looks like a big line for Arizona at 5.5. Um, I do go back to last year. They laid six at home. Of course, that was, I believe, Nick Mullins. But again, we say this. The roster is irrelevant to the line because Vegas is taking that into account. They're telling me this game's going to come back to the direction. It's going to be tighter. And, of course, you look what happened the last two weeks to the Niners. Uh, 28-21 loss to Seattle. Very confusing loss if you look at how that game played. It was just a weird game. And then, of course, a backdoor against Aaron Rodgers. They started the season 2-0 ATS and 2-0 on the road ATS. Come home, lose two really kind of tight, funky games. Now they go back on the road where they were good ATS weeks one and two. And you do get this environment where – Arizona comes in here off of a massive road win. Their first win against the Rams in nine tries. They have been handled by the Rams. It's a letdown spot, and it's not where they function well. They do not function as well at home ATS in the Kingsbury-Kyler Murray era. I will be playing plus five and a half Niners. <clears throat> yeah, I'm staying off the game myself, only because it's kind of a perception versus reality thing when it comes to these two teams, right? I mean, reality has been all about – the Arizona Cardinals so far this season. Kyler Murray averaging nine and a half yards per attempt this season. I believe that's right up there with Russell Wilson at the top of the league. Whereas you look at the quarterback situation for the Niners. Now we don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play. Is it going to be Trey Lance? If it is Trey Lance, I think that's a substantial downgrade 
at the quarterback position. They've been using, you know, he's mostly been in there for kind of the gimmicky run-oriented stuff. This would be his first start, division game on the road. That's a concern for me. But I do think you're right in that you just came off this huge win on the road against the Rams. The Cardinals could potentially let down here, especially they're going to Cleveland next. I mean, it is a real gauntlet of a few games schedule for the Arizona Cardinals. So while I do love the way they've played, they've been a million times better than the Niners so far this season. I, all those factors lead me to stay away above all else. I'd at least like to know for sure who's going to be playing a quarterback in this contest. Now, you're ready for Sunday Night Football, man, because we have potentially, in my opinion, the game of the year in Sunday Night Football this year. Not from a betting perspective, just from an entertainment value perspective, just to be clear. The Bills and the Chiefs. Buffalo, three-point dog in Kansas City. Total up there, super high, 56 and a half. Mahomes and Allen, who you got? This is a tough one. And oftentimes when I cap the Sunday night and the Monday night game, I don't really go into detail until later in the day. Obviously, it's a huge slate as it is to look at. Um, initially, I do look at the Bills here. Obviously, a double revenge game. They did lose uh, in Kansas City, AFC Championship game, January 24th, this calendar year, going back about, I guess, what is it, nine months now, crazily enough. But um, Kansas City handled them that game. They're up 38-15 to 15 in the fourth quarter. Kansas City did, did what they always do. They were down by almost double digits out of the gate. I think it was 9 nothing Bills, and then they said enough is enough, and they went on their run, and they just blew them out. Um, and, of course, Kansas City did beat them in Buffalo last year, too, in a lower-scoring game. I think the line is a little short, though, two-and-a-half, three. It was three last year in the AFC title game at home, and, of course, they did handle them. They were up by 23 comfortably in the fourth quarter before winning the game by, I believe, 12-14. and 14. Um, But I do think this is short, and I think it's what Kansas City has done all year. They just really kind of hang out, and it seems like a loose term to use, but it's kind of what they're doing on the football field right now. They know they're better. They know they're going to be there in January. They're just coasting the early season, and it's hard to back that. And I think, you know, you see it every week. The public's always on Kansas City because the public just looks at Patrick Mahomes and says, I'm going to back this guy. They're forgetting it's a 53-man roster. They're playing 17 games. They're probably going to play 20 games. They probably get to the Super Bowl this year. This is not where they necessarily just need to turn it up like it's the Super Bowl. Yet again, we've talked about this when I cross-reference the NBA all the time, but you know, top NBA teams coast early season because they know they're playing a full second season later on in the year. So you have to really take that into your mind when you're capping this game. Uh, I got to go into it in a little more detail, but I do think the lean would be Buffalo. But again, don't hold me to that. Please don't put whale units on it, people that are following this, because this is definitely going to be a tough one to cap. Yeah, I, I lean Buffalo here as well, but only a little bit. I mean, you look at the numbers and the Bills have been super impressive, especially on the defensive end. They're giving up four yards of play on defense. They're one of a few teams giving up less than five. They're a full yard below that. They've been super impressive defensively. But the rub there is that you can be as impressive as you want on defense. The combination of Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey, especially at home in a big spot, can render all that completely meaningless. The Chiefs, statistically, they're super interesting this year. They are gaining 6.9 yards per play. Nice. It's also number one in the league. But they're allowing 6.9 yards per play. Not so nice for them. Nice for the rest of us. No, number 32 in the NFL in that regard. So the question is, 
does the home crowd, does the big spot, does the fact that now there's kind of, there needs to be a little bit of a sense of urgency for the Chiefs with all these three and one teams both in and out of their division in the AFC. Does that kick things up a notch for them? I am not sure and definitely not sure enough to play this one. I would lean Buffalo because of how dominant they've been, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I think you have this situation with the Chiefs where this could very well be the wake-up game. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't disagree. But again, it's tough. And I think the wake-up spot, theoretically, was last week where they were coming off of two losses, two outright losses. And they were flat the whole game. Again, you saw what they did. All of a sudden, fourth quarter, two touchdowns real quick, open it up, and then just coast to a 12-point victory. But they were not convincing last week either, really. And uh, I think it's a tough spot. But, again, it's Thursday afternoon here. We have three or four days to look at this. Maybe an official at 7.30 p.m. on Sunday night for me, but definitely nothing official now. A lot of time, too, for people to bet this number one direction or the other. If you want to give me a bigger number with the Bills, by the way, please, everybody, by all means, uh, give that a shot, and then maybe I'll consider Buffalo in this game. We got one game left, Shark. It's Monday Night Football. Colts and Ravens. The Colts a touchdown underdog in this game on the road. Total 45. The Ravens passed a big test, in my opinion, in Denver on the road last week. Do you think they do it again here at home against Indy? Uh, again, Monday Night Football haven't really gone into immense detail here. Um, shout out to ATSIO and Jay Sanon. Love to do it. Uh, we'll be on here a little more officially with that. I would, at the very, very initial looking point here, lean to the dog here. I think Baltimore coming in here off a road trip um, may, may uh, have a slow start. I think the Colts obviously are very kind of undervalued in the campaign here, one and three, one and one away. Um, I just, as a very visual point, I'm not really envisioning Lamar Jackson and the boys cleaning house on a Colts team that has been really below expectations so far. But again, very loose type of stuff where if Jay and I are sitting at the bar and says, hey, Shark, what do you think about that game Monday night? That is my absolute first thought on that game. Yeah, it's a game that I don't feel strongly about one way or the other. And I think the biggest reason for that is offensive line injuries on both sides. Quentin Nelson, he's on IR now for the Colts, which really hurts their ability to run the football. And Jonathan Taylor has been off to a slow start this season, and it's not going to get any better with Quentin Nelson out of the equation. But then you look at Baltimore, Alejandro Villanueva. He came out of the game last week against Denver. Ronnie Stanley's on the injury report. These are big problems for both of these teams. And yes, Lamar Jackson is better equipped to run away from problems caused by a shorthanded offensive line. But that's not exactly what I want to stake things on, especially when you have to lay a touchdown to do it. Shark, thank you as always for your expertise on these games. Real quick, before we're done, can you tell the people where to find you? Well, fortunately, I think a lot of our viewers already know what's going on in this sphere. It yes. is Sharks Water Nation, Nine Words of Lifestyle, Ride the Wave, or Get Out of the Water, Sharks and Sports on Twitter. We'll be on here tomorrow night with Guns Picks, The Gun, College Football, 9 o'clock, Top 5 Plays, Dropped. And, of course, Sunday morning, 10.45 a.m., NFL Leaderboard Competition, Dad Bods, GPO Lock, Capper Collective, J Money is Money, the gun and the shark, 20 minutes to 40 minutes of the full card in a slightly more elevated, energized environment. But I love to do it with Jay. Thirsty Thursday. Hell of a game tonight. Jay, thanks for having me. Yep, Shark. Thank you for being here. Of course, for more.
more on the slate this weekend. Chatts.io, where I've written previews by the end of the week. Give me a couple of days here, folks. I'm working real hard. Written previews every game on the slate. More in-depth thoughts as the week goes along as well. Until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you for watching the GBI Show.